Hello, this is Sophie Lawson from sophielawson.com and this is episode 212 of the Sophie Art Podcast, which is a little podcast that I do about the art and things. And this one, you might be able to hear in the background, Bobby. <laughs> little Bobby looking after my sister's dog, Bobby. Blobby Bobby. So he's, he, he makes a lot of noises and he's been farting a lot as well. <laughs> Which is quite funny, but this one here is going to be a. We're going to. What I'm going to talk about is facing fears, and how I've noticed there's like an entanglement between fear and desire. So I'm going to talk about that in a minute, and it's also going to cover things like free will and probability based probability and stuff. So I hope you enjoy this one. You can see, you can find show notes and everything at sophielawson.com and also there's a video on there as well. And if you're watching this as a video, what I'm going to do is tomorrow I'm going to go out and film some footage of stuff like the clouds and flowers and things. <laughs> so that's what's going to be on the on the footage. But, well, let's get into this. So what I wanted to talk about was I'm I'm absolutely convinced that fear is an illusion. It doesn't really exist. But the thing is, it's very much like how... It's very much like... Imagine you're in a dream, and you suddenly realise you're in a dream, and yet it feels so real. So it's like a lucid dream. You know you're in a dream, so you, you sort of... But it's so real. and But the thing is, you can wake yourself up at any moment and come back to this. And I feel like fear is that. Fear feels real, but what can happen is you can become like lucid inside of fear and sort of almost like wake yourself up from the fear. <laughs> but the other thing is, it's it's an illusion that is so... It feels so real that even when you know it's not real, it's still, it's still sort of got like a control over you. And that's the thing. What I've noticed is fear is all about control. So I've been thinking about this because, as I've said before, I've, I'm noticing a lot of... Well, what I'm, what I'm noticing is a lot of my fears, they're all sort of like... It's almost like, let's say you've got 50 different fears. If you look at them, they all look independent, but you can start sort of grouping them together. So, like, you might have something like you've got a fear of, say, talking in front of people. And you've got a fear of, say, you've got a, a fear of going into town or something. or And then you've got a fear of getting on a bus or something. And what happens is you start noticing... That even though they're all different, they're all the same. And it's all about, it could be, for instance, about being, you've got a fear of being judged by people. And what it's done is, it's, it's created all these, different, all these different fears. So a big one for me is interviewing guests on the podcast. And the thing is, I'm, well, what I'm going to talk about is how I feel like fear is entangled with desire. And I look at it as like numbers. So it's almost to me like, um, imagine you've got like a bar chart, you've got two bar charts and you've got a hundred, 
100%. And it's it's been distributed between these two. So you got like you got a bar chart for fear and another one for desire. And they're sort of like entangled with each other. So if a fear is at 100, it means the desire is at zero. If the desire is at 100, the fear is at zero. So, and the other thing is that you can have, you can have like one desire. So you might have like a desire to interview guests on a podcast, but it's actually entangled with a bunch of different fears. So one of them is like, you're, you've got a fear of making a fool of yourself. You've got a fear of, are you good enough? You've got a fear of, what will people think of me and stuff like that. And what I've noticed is, if you, what happens is, if you can get that fear, if you can get your desire, like the higher you can make your desire to do something, it's going to actually lower all of these other fears. And the other thing is, these other fears might be entangled with other things as well. So it's not as simple as a a 50-50 thing. Because you might have a fear of, say, of being judged by people. And it's sort of, um, it's, it's come off into multiple different types of fears so one of them is say well one could be like going out without without me without me at on <laughs> that's one being judged another one could be talking on a podcast or something so but the other thing is that so, so the thing is that the fear that you interact with is the fear of going out without a hat on but really that's not the real fear the real fear is the fear of being judged. So see what see how quite sort of clever it is, because what can happen is you can sort of spend ages trying to overcome the fear of going out without without a hat on, for instance. If you're say if you've got say like a self consciousness about your hair or something, when really that is almost sort of like a waste of time, because really you should be focusing on the fear. Of being judged, because if if you can sort of if you can work out why you've got that fear of being judged, it will instantly, and if you can resolve it, you can instantly delete all these other fears. So that's why it's almost like a domino thing. If you can get to the root of your fears, and and you can resolve it, it will actually knock out a lot of fears, which is quite cool. But I feel like one of the be- best ways to overcome this, the base level fear, is with a desire. So if you've got if you've got a desire of doing something, and you realise that there's a fear stopping it, if the fear is stronger than the desire, what will happen is you you're going to be the fear is going to be like winning. So the probability, because it's all a numbers game, the probability is that you're not going to be able to create what you want. In other words, you won't be able to create your desire because the fear is, is stronger. So what you've got to do is you've got to either go go into the fear and basically work out what's happening so you can sort of not be afraid of it anymore and that's like lowering the fear. Or you can also work on your desire, make the desire so strong that it actually overtakes the fear. In other words, the the desire to do something is stronger than the fear of of whatever you're afraid of. 
So I've put the desire needs to be higher than the fear or you can activate your free will superpower. So I've talked about this before. I feel like our gift is actually free will because it seems to me like we are inside a sort of, um, it's almost like a, it's almost like a, I was, I would say sort of like a simulation if you want, or some sort of computer system, which is all about this fear and desire thing. In other words, it's purely numbers. It's a numbers game. If you work on desire, if you, if the fear is at a certain level, then you're never going to do something because the fear is too strong. So that is like a numbers game. But the thing with free will is, free will is like a loophole, which I wonder whether the creator put this free will into us as like a superpower. Because what can happen is, your fear might be at like, like say, 100%. So in other words, the probability is you, n- there's no chance of you doing your desire because of the fear. But if you've got free will, it's almost like that free will can turn a 100% fear into a zero. Because what happens is, I look at that as like despair. You know that thing when like somebody, something happens to somebody and they, well for me it happened with becoming suicidal. With, I was wearing wigs outside and I had people like laughing at me and stuff in the street. It put me into such a a place of despair that the fear had no power anymore. Because what I said was, I said like, I said like, well, I've got nothing to lose now. To hell with it sort of thing. And it just, it flipped the desire. And it eradicated the fear. The thing is, it was only a temporary thing. Because what what that'll do is it'll it'll give you the, um, it'll give you like a, 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 like a, um, a momentary sort of jolt of power and you'll be able to create the action but what happened is because you didn't actually sort out the fear the underlying feeling of that fear what happened is in the future that fear is going to come back again because the fear will start to grow grow in power again so there's a thing here i'm actually going to this week's inspirational quote goes to AJ from Divine Truth. And he, he, I was listening to one of his videos and it made me think about something, which again, I've talked about this before. <laughs> but what he said was, he said, you, you've got to flip your mind into the emotion. So I feel like fear, I feel like fear is is actually based in the mind. This is why it's an illusion. Because it's the mind creating a story which gives the fear the power so fear is all in the mind desire which is a feeling is all about the emotion so what's happening is this is what i'm thinking if you're living in fear or if you're afraid to do something it's because it's because the mind is overpowering the emotion so what he said was he said you've got to flip you've got to flip the emotion to be more dominant over the mind. Now, the thing that's amazing is the mind is actually quite a good thing as well. Because the, the, you need the mind to highlight some of these fears. And you can also use the mind to sort of 
like almost like reverse engineer the fears to see where the actual fear really is but there comes to a point when you need to go into the emotion of it and that's quite scary really because well the thing with emotions is to some extent you've got no control over them it's like once you go into the emotion you're you're in the emotion and it's real (laughs) but this also reminded me of going towards the energy robert wagner lucid dream expert he always says go towards the energy so i feel like what happened is and for me this is like courage courage is is basically living with the emotion above the mind because what happened is let's say let's say i want to well let's say i want to go to an art class and i'm scared of it because of like the people or something what happened is and this happened to me this happened to me back in 2014. The mind was saying, you can't do that or don't do it. Because it felt it felt like it was going to be too scary. Because the mind had created this story about how it would be really scary to go to art class. But what happens is, if the desire to go to art class becomes stronger, what happens then is, the emotion of going to the art class has overtaken the... Um, the fear and so what I put here this is what I was thinking I thought courage is your mind will say no as it will feel too scary but this is the only way in other words courage is taking action even when the mind is creating the illusion of the fear but the other thing is it actually will be scary as well because you'll be stepping into the emotion but this is what AJ's been talking about. Once you step into the emotion and really feel it, you basically like transcend it. And then what happened then is you you'll be able to go to art class, and there won't be a, there won't be a fear there. You might be a little bit tense, but really I don't think you will be. And the other thing is, you can start doing other things as well. So for me, like I started going to art class and stuff. And then I started going to like art exhibitions and it just snowballs like that. So I think this is quite cool. I'll put another, another quote here, look. This is what AJ said. All judgment is a denial of your own emotion. And look at this one. True enlightenment is understanding, is understanding you're a perpetual student. And look, truth equals total emotional nakedness. Which is quite scary. But it's only scary because your mind is making you think it's scary. So it's quite strange. It's that other thing I talked about as well. It's like what we're inside of is an illusion. But it's real. But it's also an illusion. So there's this strange sort of thing where... It's a strange thing where it's both at the same time. But I thought that was quite cool. So what I've put is I've put facing fears is all about this entanglement between fear and desire. So the other thing I was thinking was you've got like, let's say you've got four different fears. One of them is say, let's say it's getting onto a bus. And then another one is say walking into a crowded room. Another one is, say, going to art class. 
another one is say talking to a stranger in a shop or something what what happens is each of these little fears they're all the same one really which is a fear of sort of being judged by people it's like a fear of self-consciousness but the thing i've noticed is each of these little fears has got its own separate sort of number so in other words the fear of say going into a shop and talking to somebody that might be like a 30 percent fear and then the fear of say going into a crowded room might be like 90 so what happens is this is what i noticed this is how i did my transition i sort of reverse engineered it so the big fear was basically living as sophie what i did was i broke it down into these little little sort of mini fears i suppose and what happens is you get to a point where the fear you can actually make the fear smaller than the desire so for instance even if that let's say the lowest fear of those is going into a shop and talking to somebody if that is still a bit too scary you can make up your own fear of like say you can say well i'm gonna what could you do you could say well i'm gonna what I'm going to do is I'm going to go into this shop, see how I feel and then come back out. <laughs> so you don't even have to do anything other than walk into the shop. So that could be the first one. The, like the, the fear of walking into the shop could be, say, 10. The fear of talking to somebody could be 30. So all you've got to do is do the little one. And then if you do the little one, see how it feels. Also, whilst you're seeing what, how it feels, you write about what you're feeling and then you can start seeing how they're all the same thing. And then you can start saying, why do I feel this way? So it's quite sort of, um, it's quite a long process. But it's also one of these things where once you do it, like I said, it's almost like a domino. It knocks all the other ones over. So why I'm doing this, why I'm talking about this is because I've still got this fear about interviewing guests on the podcast. And I'm sort of trying to reverse engineer it to see what it's all about. But I'm also trying to take steps to sort of do it as well. Cause, so it's a bit sort of, for me, it feels like a two-step process. So the desire is interviewing guests on the podcast. And then there's a, there's a fear with that. But I've also noticed that the fears are the same as other things I've got. Like, for instance, talking to people at at work. So the thing is, well, and also there's another one. Like, I'm doing this thing at the moment, a masterclass with the SM podcast. There's there's eight of us in, like, a Zoom call. Now, that's quite a scary thing for me. But I'm I'm doing that because I think to myself, if I can do this and feel my fears as I'm doing it, I feel like that's going to help me in the future. So again, what I did was I I realised interviewing guests at the moment is just a bit too scary. Well, it's not, but it is. Because it feels like it is, but it's not. But it's because I guess I haven't made the desire strong enough as well. But what I thought was I'm going to reverse engineer it, do something that's also scary and has the same fears but isn't as scary. And what it's going to do is it's going to lower the fear of this other one. But um, what I'm also doing is I'm actually trying to feel the feelings. So this week at work, I had this beautiful moment 
where what happened was I because what what it is is my job I'm a cleaner so I'm like a I'm like a contract so in other words the people I'm working with I know them and I can talk to them all but I'm not really part of the group it's almost like I'm the people I'm working with are not the, my co-workers in a strange way even though I see them every day for like five years or something so it's this strange relationship really where you're sort of like you're one of them you're not one of them but you are but you're not so you you have this thing where you sort of feel a bit like well there was this tv show called lost and what one of the episodes was called a stranger no something like he walks among us as if he's one of us but he's not basically it's very much like that so the thing is one of those is there's a fear of sort of not feeling like you're included. And I can start seeing how what happens is the reality we're inside of brings to us all these things which is going to trigger all these emotions. Because what's happening is it's, it's trying to make you feel all these fears so that you can actually go into them to sort of transcend them. It's beautiful. So in a strange way, all these things which are uncomfortable are actually, they're for our own benefit. It's quite, it is, it is beautiful for me, because it's, it's almost like the, the it's almost like the reality itself is shaping itself just for you. <laughs> and that's, for me, makes me feel like reality is actually conscious. It's, what it is, is we're, we are in a relationship with reality, and it's bringing to us exactly what we need, now, the other thing that's funny about this is... Oh, there's a couple here. So, the place that I've moved into, there was this girl downstairs, a little, like, baby, a child thing, and it was crying. Now, for some reason, that was, get, that was getting to me. It was triggering me. And I was, what I was doing was I was bottling up the um, emotions of getting angry because I thought, you can't, you can't... You're not allowed, I thought. You're not allowed to experience anger. Now, what happened was, a couple of weeks ago... I was lying in bed, this baby was crying, I got so, well what I did was I allowed myself to feel anger, which I've, I've never, I have done that before, only a couple times though, so that's one thing for me, again, I, for me it is, I think, I feel like anger is a masculine, I feel like anger is a masculine attribute, so I guess what's happened is, I've sort of shut out a lot of a lot of things that I think are masculine. But what I'm doing now is I'm starting to bring in... I'm trying to start balancing masculine and feminine traits. Because I think we are both of them. So what happened the other day was... This baby started crying. And what, for the, instead of just sort of... Um, sort of thinking, well... Well, what I was doing was I was saying, this too shall pass. Which is a nice way to do do it, because... It sort of let it allows you to accept the situation, but this time I thought, you know what, I'm not going <laughs> to, and I because I my bed is like a, a bunk bed type thing. What I did was I jumped out of the bed and just stomped my feet on the floor, and because I, I was like saying, you know, that was my way of of expressing of expressing this anger physically. It's almost like I actually had to get the emotion out of my body as a physical action, and what happened was I, I sort of. I like slammed on the floor. I let the anger out 
at that moment, I sort of, I felt a lot better. Because I felt, I felt, and also I thought to myself how stupid it was that I was acting that way. And it sort of made me realise, it made me realise how silly it was to be feeling anger. And yet I liked the fact that I felt the anger. Because it, because what it also did was it made me think, well, why am I feeling anger? And it's it's basically because I felt out of control. Because I felt out of control that I couldn't speak up about this noise. But then I also realised, well, that's a lie. Because if I really wanted to, I could go downstairs and say, can you do something about the baby crying? But but the other thing is, so there's this strange thing where I'm not sure whether you should be... Some, I'm not sure whether you should be acting out the emotion. In other words, should I should I go downstairs and say something or should I just let it be? So I'm still not sure really on, on that. But the funny thing about this is, a week later after doing that, the couple downstairs moved out. <laughs> so the little baby is left now. And for me, that was like one of these synchronicities as if the universe was saying, look, I want you to accept that inside of you, you have anger. And again, today, something else happened. And I allowed the feeling of anger to come in. So instead of sort of suppressing it and saying, anger is, a, is an emotion I don't want to feel, because I think it's masculine, I'm starting to say, I'm going to feel it, because I think if you can feel it, you can start, you can start working out what it's, actually, what it's actually trying to tell you. Because it's almost as if these emotions are speaking to you to say, look, you've got an issue here that you need to sort of resolve it. So that was the first funny thing, was that the baby left. And then the other thing that happened earlier this week was, I was at work and one of the things I'm doing is I'm forcing myself to speak to people because I've got to basically practice talking to people. So, but I'm only doing it if I've got something to say. So in other words, if I've got something to say, then and I want to say it, I've got to say it, which again, it goes into this desire-fear thing. The desire to say something has to be stronger than the fear of, what if I say something and the person ignores me or judges me or something? Now, the funny thing is, I faced the fear of talking to somebody by speaking and saying something, now the funny thing is they actually ignored me <laughs> because what happened was they had a they they had a headset on. This is another thing. They've all got headsets on, so they're all like communicating with each other via these headsets and I haven't got one. So again, that's making me feel a little bit like I'm the odd one out. But that's another emotion I've got to sort out. But the the funny thing is, what happened was he this bloke ignored me and I got hit with this emotion of well, what happened was I just started crying and I felt this emotion go through my body. And instead of sort of, instead of putting it into my mind and creating a story, which could have then made the fear even stronger to stop me talking in the future, I said to myself, right, just feel it. Feel what's happening here. And so I, I turned around, carried on cleaning and I was like crying. It's amazing how many tears can come out so quickly when you're feeling a raw emotion. It's like they were streaming out my eyes. And the emotion I was feeling was rejection. <laughs> so what I did was, now this is what's quite beautiful, I fully allowed myself to feel it. 
and within about I would say two minutes it's almost like I'd let that emotion go so I'm not saying I've resolved it it's just I sort of accepted it now in the past in the past if I had if I had done that because I've had this before where I've spoke to somebody they've say ignored me and very often it's because I'm not talking loud enough so I'm actually realizing it's it's me creating the thing that I'm afraid of by not speaking clearly and loud louder loud enough so in a strange way I'm sort of creating the thing myself I'm creating them not not responding to me by not projecting my voice enough which goes back into this other thing of masculine I, for me I've got it in my head that talking loud and sort of confidently is a masculine thing so again this goes quite deep for me a lot of these things and it's all sort of linked into the same thing that a lot of my limitations and fears are based around masculine traits like self-assertiveness confidence stuff like that but so the other so what happened then, then was i allowed the feeding in but in the old days what would have happened is i would have felt that rejection i would have got consumed by the by the um the fear by the um emotion of rejection it would have gone straight to my head and i would have started saying nobody likes me nobody wants to listen to me when the reality is he had a headset on he was in the middle of a conversation so he couldn't have spoke to me anyway so i let that go so in the old days my mind would have took control and started telling the story whereas instead i allowed myself to just fully feel the emotion now what's even funny about this is about i don't know five to ten minutes later i was cleaning he walked past and he he said to, he started talking to me <laughs> so it, it was almost as if it's almost as if in that moment it's like it's almost like the universe was saying look it's it's almost it's almost as if that was the universe saying he's talking to you because you've actually let go of the emotion because it what i'm thinking is if i had had the emotion in my head maybe he wouldn't have spoke to me because maybe i would have had a, a different look on my face of like sort of because when you're in your head you have a different look on your face you can tell when somebody is in their head like if i'm watching videos that i've recorded when i'm doing the podcast or something or or even other people i can just tell when somebody is in their head because it, it, you can i don't know how but you can feel it somehow so what I'm, he, what I'm saying is he obviously felt that he felt that I was open. So he spoke to me and I thought to myself, ah, but I'll tell you something that did happen. So the, the first thing is I, I started talking to him, but then I had this thought go through my head of, now I don't know what this is, but it said, why should I talk to you if you ignored me earlier? <laughs> now that is not loving. But I also allowed that thought into my head because I thought to myself, I'm going to remember this. And I'm going to try and work out why did that thought come into my head. So this is quite this is quite cool. This is now the other thing is AJ from Divine Truth. He talks a lot about these spirit possessions. Now the strange thing about this is, well, this you could go into you could go on for ages about this, but I feel like a lot of the fears are actually based on spirits which also it could just be thoughts because 
I'm not sure yet, but I feel like sometimes these spirits that are possessing us are actually created by ourselves. Which does in a way go in with what AJ's saying, because he says the spirit can only attach to you if you've got the emotion that it's attached to. So the thing is, if you've got the emotion and if you keep creating the emotion in a strange way, you are actually keeping the spirit attached to you. So in a strange way, it is actually you that is attaching the spirit to you. Even though somebody else might have put that initial emotion inside of you. This is why you've got to go and work out what the cause of the emotion is. Because that's how you can actually stop the spirits. <laughs> but this all starts to sound very sort of um, like um, magical and stuff. And you could say a little bit frightening. But I actually think it's incredibly empowering. Because you start realising, even if you had the darkest demonic spirit attached to you, you still have the um, ability to release it. And this also goes into like free will. Let's say you had a, a demon attached to you, and it's created a situation where basically you're living in fear. You've still got the free will to face it. So I do feel like free will is a superpower. And that's basically it for this one. I just I just feel like there's a lot of what I'm noticing is there's a lot of um there's a lot of links between um physical and spiritual and also like dreams and reality because what I'm what I'm I'm convinced more and more of this that the dream realm and the sleep state is the spirit realm. And then the, the waking state. So what's happening is. What's happening is. in our When we're going to sleep at night. We might actually be creating spirits. That are influencing us in the waking state. Which I believe that is how. The waking state is actually. Sort of like. Um, shape shifting around us. It's based on what we're doing in our sleep state. So this is quite cool for me. And another thing that I'm really getting into is noticing the relationship between masculine and feminine. So for me, I've always felt like I am actually free people. But I've not called them people. I've called them like spirits. I, this, I, I remember this. I, I used to think this years and years and years before I even knew anything about spiritual stuff. But I felt like I've, I've always felt like I am sort of like an observer inside of a body that has two spirits, which is a masculine and a feminine. And I actually named them Kevin and Sophie. So what I did was, I was born as Kevin. The The spirit of Sophie was so strong, it actually it caused me to turn myself into Sophie. So, and that... Even that is full of like desires and fears. The fear of what would people think and the desire to become Sophie. Now what's quite funny about this is the more I've become Sophie, the more I realise I didn't really have to. <laughs> but the, the strange thing about that is I had to, tra I had to transition into Sophie to realise I didn't have to. Even though I did because I, 
I couldn't have worked it out without doing it. So it, this is like a paradox for me. And what I'm noticing is it was never really about physically changing my appearance. I'm, I'm, what it was was it was actually about feeling both of these masculine and feminine spirits and basically bringing them together. So I feel, well, the other thing is I sort of knew this right at the start of my transition. So in around about 2016, that's when I started like the hormones and whatnot. And it's also, I remember I said, I'm going to stop focusing so much on art and I'm actually going to focus on my mind because I felt like the mind, like the psychologicalness, was actually the foundation of everything else. In other words, to become the best artist, I felt like I had to work on my mind. So, and what I noticed was, what that, what that did was it took me down the path of transitioning because if my truth felt like Sophie. And it still is the same. Even though I said I didn't have to become Sophie, I did because otherwise I couldn't have worked this out. <laughs> so my truth was always Sophie. But the thing was, right at the start, I remember going to a transgender support group and I started to feel like I was accepting myself. But I thought how funny it is that at the time I was Kevin and I'm saying I fully accept myself. So to prove that I fully accepted myself, I turned myself into Sophie. In other words, I'm saying I fully accept myself as Sophie. But I thought, isn't it a bit weird that really, if I truly, truly accepted myself... I would actually have stayed as Kevin because my true self was actually Kevin. Can you see how weird that is? It's almost like like by tra- by accepting myself, I I changed myself. So I thought that was a bit weird. And I look back now and I wonder whether it was like sort of realizing that it's it's more about a a mental balancing of masculine and feminine instead of a physical thing but again maybe the only way to do it mentally is also to do it physically so and this also goes in i've talked about this a lot on the podcast is i had a i had an out-of-body experience about two years ago where i got where i got given this grid and the grid it was what it is is it's like a think of it like a cross with a circle in the middle and then You've got the horizontal and the vertical line. One side's got a positive and the other side's got a negative. Then the, and that's on the horizontal, the vertical also has a positive and a negative. Now what happens is, you can basically put, what happens is, this grid, it's showing the, it's showing the entanglement of opposites and how you basically have to get yourself centred, which is being resolved. Which is three six nine. Three is the grid, which is the process of resolving things that are unresolved, which is entangled opposites. Because if it's so, if something is an opposite, it's actually it's out of balance. So you balance things by by bringing the opposites together, which is it, which is in itself a sort of a paradox. So on this thing, on this grid, like for instance, the horizontal could be masculine. The vertical could be feminine. So what I'm noticing is a masculine trait, like for instance being, let's say, aggressive, that can that can actually be positive and negative. 
So it's a, it's a it's a masculine trait of being aggressive, which you think is a negative, but when you look at it, you realise there are times when being aggressive is actually posi- positive. And then you've also got like feminine traits of say, like giving your love. Again, that is positive, but there are times when that could actually be negative, which doesn't seem to make sense. But you can start seeing how, basically, masculine has a feminine and a negative, and feminine has a feminine and a negative. So even though masculine and feminine are the entangled opposites, each of these each of these opposites has itself a positive and a negative. So it's almost like what you have to do is balance the masculine, balance the feminine, and then balance the masculine and the feminine. But the thing is, you got I feel like you've got to do this with every sort of entanglement. For instance, time and money. You put your time into something, t- putting your time into something can be positive, but it can also be negative. And then you've also got money. So you've positive and negative of money. So again, you've got to balance out the positive and negative of of this. But what you start realising is everything is everything is entangled with something. And a lot of them they don't they don't seem to be the same thing. They don't seem as if like time and money, you don't think it's entangled until you start looking into it. But the other thing is about this is it goes into like the physical and the spiritual as well. So the physical has a positive and a negative. The spirit, the spiritual has a positive and a negative. In other words, you've got to balance. You've got to balance yourself between the physical and the spiritual. So the dream realm is like the spiritual. If you spend all your time sleeping, and you're not spending any time in the physical, you're actually out of balance because you're too far into the spiritual. If you if you're spending all your time in the physical and you're not in the spiritual, you're also out of balance as well. So it's again, it's about balancing the physical and the spiritual. So it's quite, this is quite cool. And I said at the time, because what happened was I had a psychedelic, I've only ever done psychedelics once, which was the 9th of January 2020. And again, this also, what it made me realise was the the place that you enter when you go into the psychedelics it's the same place as the dream realm. It's the same place as these deep meditation states. It's the same place as the outer body state. It's the same place as the sleep state. And I would imagine it's the same place as the death. So when you die, it's the same place. The reason it's the same place is it's the spirit realm. Now what AJ talks about is he says the spirit realm is split into these spheres so what I'm wondering is, is it possible that what's happening is, like when we're going into the dream, the dream realm, we're actually visiting different spheres of the spiritual. So, for instance, an outer body, an outer body state, might be a different sphere of the spirit realm. When you go into a psychedelics, what if, what if when you go into a psychedelics, you're going into a different sphere of the of the spiritual? So. This also goes into something that I, I said. I felt like the spiritual is a the spiritual realm is like a bunch of bubbles. It's like a bunch of bubbles in an endless sea. So each of these little bubbles is like a sphere, which he also says is like dimensions. 
So what if there's like a dimension of inside of the spiritual, which is like the psychedelic realm? So in other words, what's happening is the reason that when the reason that when you go deep within yourself, the reason you end up you end up in you always end up in these same sort of places is because you're you are either in the physical or you're in the spiritual. So no matter which of these things you're going into, whether you're going into a meditation, into the dream state or something, or psychedelic, really you're you're just in a different layer of the spiritual. Like the spiritual plane. <laughs> so what I'm starting to realise is everything's sort of like fractal. Now what what I also think about is it is the is the waking state, the physical, is that also fractal and i believe this is how because i've got this theory that we're each inside of our own universe we're each inside and it's it's consciousness that is creating each sort of bubble of reality so each human is in their own reality inside of the main reality inside like the physical so it starts to get a bit confusing but i sort of look at it as like it's almost like you've got sheets of paper. So you've got like sheets of paper which create is creating a 3D object. But really each of these shapes of each of these bits of paper is a 2D piece of paper, but they are holograms. So you've all so each of those sheets of paper is actually a 3D shape. Even though it looks like it's a 2D shape. And this is how you end up with 3D shapes inside of a, a 3D shape. Which I think is what the um, spirit realm is as well, because each of these little spheres is effectively you can look at it as like a as like a reality really. It's a, it's a spiritual reality inside of a spiritual plane. So this is cool, but the other thing about this is, so this is where it comes into desire and fear. What I'm imag- what I'm imagining is. If you can, like, what I'm thinking is some of these desires we have, well, AJ says it comes from your soul. So I I sort of think to myself, are some of these desires coming from higher spheres inside of the spiritual realm? Somehow, I'm I'm not sure. (laughs) But I I love it because some of it I can't quite explain, but I can see how it's all linked together now what i'm wondering is when you got right back to source when you got if you become god like the oneness is that itself is the oneness is the oneness the center of the grid in other words is that a point where all entangled opposites are completely in balance and then I start thinking, well, is it possible that that itself is inside of a sea of creatures which are all in balance? So in other words, you've got, if you become God and you can sort of look outside, what you would see is you would see like a, like let's say like a sheet of paper with all these little spheres on it. Each of those spheres would be a God. And if you went inside of that, that's when you start seeing, that's when it was split. It, I almost see it as if it splits off into the spiritual and the physical. And then what happens is, inside of this physical, it splits. 
it splits everything off into like male and female and then so, so but then the other thing is each of the opposites has the op the other inside of it because I'm reading this book at the moment called The Art of Loving and what it says is it says each human has inside of it masculine and feminine so in other words we think we we think we are masculine we think we're male and there's a female but really we are actually male and female inside of ourselves it's quite weird so and i also think it makes me think of that thing of um what's it say god created man in its image or something so i'm i'm starting to think to myself what is god like i don't know and it, and I wonder, is it actually possible to ever work that out? I do wonder about that. That sound was the sound of paper. <laughs> I like that. Bing! So that's it for this one. I hope you enjoyed that. And I, what, I'm, what I'm liking about this is... I'm liking how deep it goes. The other thing is, I can see... I can, I can feel and see how... Like, almost like that you could become completely fearless because but the thing well it's quite hard i could imagine waking up tomorrow and being able to do anything that i desire because i know that it's 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 like it's literally like just hitting a switch the problem is finding the switch that's the thing because it's almost like it's almost like all these other switches are linked to this one main switch but as soon as you find that one main switch, I feel like the whole lot will just flip. That's it though for this one. So, well, you can find show notes and everything at sophielawson.com and you can also see this as a video if you want it. But all that's left is this week's inspirational quote. Now, I love this one as well because there's something about this. So it says... This is what AJ from Divine Truth says. He said, do what you're afraid of to trigger the emotion. So this is like what I did in, during the week. I had, I was afraid to speak to somebody. But what I did was I did what I was afraid to do and it triggered the emotion and it allowed me to feel the feeling of um, rejection. And now the thing is, like what Robert Wagner says, Go towards the energy, because what you realise is, when you go towards the energy, you realise that it was like an illusion. Because the fear, the mind is creating a story that something is really scary. When you go into it, you feel the emotion. Initially, it's quite, it's quite scary, I suppose. So you get an initial jolt of scariness. But then somehow, it's sort of, it's no longer scary. And it reminds me a little bit of like um, the Wizard of Oz. You've got the bloke behind the curtain and he's really scary until you look behind the curtain. And what happens is once you've looked behind the curtain, that can't ever be scary again. So it might still sort of bring up a monster, which which sort of gets you a little bit scared. But you're not afraid of it because you know it's not really a monster. <laughs> There's something behind it pulling the strings. So I feel like this is what's happening here. 
So again, it goes into that thing of all you've got to do is take the action, but but it goes into that thing where it's easier said than done. Because if the fear is so strong, even though you know it's not really something to be afraid of, you, you can't sort of help but be afraid of it. So it is a sort of, for me, it's a very sort of a paradoxical thing. For like for me, I want to interview guests on a podcast. I know that if I just step into it, I'll do it. But there's a fear there that, well, there's a fear of stepping into it and all the fears. There's also a fear, which is a strange one. <laughs> there's this fear that I know that once I step into it, I'm actually going to do it. And I'm afraid to do it. Which I think that is like um, something to do with a fear of success or something. Which that is, which that in itself is a sort of paradox. How can you have a fear of success? Because success is like a positive, but you can actually have a fear of it. So it it, it shows how nothing really is positive or negative. It, it's really more just opposites of the same thing. And this is when you start realizing that even positive and negative is an illusion, which I think is what the grid is trying to tell you. The grid is trying to tell you that in the centre point, positive and negative can coexist, which means it's not really it's not really an opposite, it's the same thing. The only reason that a positive is is being made positive is because you're thinking that a negative exists. And also you're putting more you're putting like energy into the into the positive or the negative. It's, it's quite strange. So it feels to me very much like being in a dream and if you think because you don't realise you're dreaming, everything is you take it you're scared of everything basically. As soon as you become lucid, you can start facing the fears. And I feel like I feel like it's possible to be inside of the waking state and a, and basically be in like a lucid dreaming state with inside of the physical inside of the waking state which that would be quite magical that because all of a sudden you would become fearless so i think that's cool and and it starts with a simple step of of doing what you're afraid of which is going towards the energy but as i said it's easier said than done because <laughs> it goes into that thing of it's, it's basically what it is, is it's the illusion. What's happened is, I think what's happening is, we're, well, I'm believing the illusion more than the truth. So, and I've actually thought about this a lot because I'm trying to, I'm trying to sort of work it all out. And the way I visualise it in my head is, I'm at this point at the moment where I feel like I'm on a diving board. I'm scared of heights and I'm scared of water. And I'm looking over the edge of the diving board and I'm like, I realise I'm, I'm like 50,000 feet in the air and below me is nothing but water. <laughs> so uh, there's no way I'm jumping off there because I, I'm scared of heights and I'm scared of water. But I so I think, right, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn around and walk down the ladder, get back down to the ground. I turn around and I realise the diving board is on fire. <laughs> so in other words, I, at the moment I feel like I'm I'm sort of like, I'm, I'm stuck on a diving board. I can't go backwards 
because otherwise I'll burn myself to death. And I feel like I can't go forward, but I'm realising I've got to. And it goes into that thing of having a leap. You've, you're going to have to just take the step off the diving board and sort of see what happens. Now this is where it goes into something else that AJ says. It, he says you have to basically have trust in God. You could call it the universe or what, whatever. Because what happens is, once you take the step, what what would probably happen is, I imagine, you take the step, you might start plummeting down towards the water, but like like a bird will come along or something, and it will sweep you up, and it will gently take you down to the surface. And you get down to the bottom and you realise you can swim. <laughs> so that's the sort of thing that happens. And it's, it goes into that thing of like, when I sort of faced... When I, when I stepped into the fear of of being anger, angry, because I have, I, have, I, I have sort of got a fear of being angry, because I think if I'm angry, that must make me a bad person. So there's something about that. But I stepped into it, and what it did was it, it took the little baby out of my life. Almost as if, it's almost as if it, the universe said, well, I can see you've resolved that one. So it's quite sort of, that's the magicalness of it. And it's, it's almost as if, it's almost as if you have to sort of co-create this reality with the God. But it's almost like the God, the God can only take you so far. You've actually got to take the step off the board. And it's almost like there's a certain point where the God can only tell you what to do. It can't do any more. So if you don't do anything... You're just going to be in this state of limbo for, well, forever until you take your step off, or until somebody pushes you off. <laughs> but really, I think it's it's much better to take a step off yourself. So it's this thing, and what happens is once you once you take the step, it's almost like you're sending a message back to back to God or the universe, saying, "Look, I trust you." And then at that point, it can start doing something because. It can now, because you've moved forward, it can now start bringing things into your life to help you. Like a bird to take you down to the bottom or something. That's it. So this week's inspirational quote. Do what you're afraid of to trigger the emotion. AJ from Divine Truth. Wake him up and he looks half asleep. Oh, he's farted again, I think. <laughs>